Let's take our Bibles again and turn back to 1 Thessalonians and chapter 5. I think nearly all of you will know that the wisest man in the Old Testament was Solomon. God gave him wisdom, such a wisdom that it was known that Solomon was the wisest man throughout the Middle East. Well, in his wisdom, in one of the Proverbs, he says this, Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. If you want to look it up, that's in Proverbs 12 and verse 15. Anxiety in the heart causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. And it's a good word that I desire to bring to you to make your hearts glad this evening. There are three exhortations that I want us to briefly consider, and one of those in particular. They are there in verses 16, 17, and 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now these three exhortations are, if you like, the standing, standing orders of Jesus Christ to his church. This is what the gospel, its impact has upon us. Joy, praying, giving thanks. These are three distinctive characteristics of the true Christian. It is our duty because they are exhortations. It is our calling. It is God's will in Christ Jesus. I want to focus particularly on the third of these exhortations. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. True thankfulness to God is a rare gem in this world. We live in a world of sin, sadness, sorrow, disease, death, and 101 other things that cause us sadness and cause us anxiety and fear and cares and concerns. But we are urged here, we are commanded here, in everything to give thanks and we'll open up this text by asking a number of questions and the first question is who is exhorted here to give thanks to God who what's the identity of those who are to give thanks to God now the Bible tells us all men and women everywhere are to give thanks to God and one of the main sins of the human race is its failure to recognize God and to give him thanks. Why are they to give thanks? Why are we to give thanks? Because God made the world and everything in it. He's the Lord of heaven and earth. But the ungodliness of men and women has silenced their lips. In Romans and chapter 1 and verse 21, we are told very clearly that although men and women knew God, they did not glorify him as God, 
nor were they thankful. Instead, they went in the opposite direction. They became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts were darkened, and professing to be wise, they became fools. There was no song of thanksgiving, no recognition of God. And yet it was their call. It was their duty. It is the duty of every single human being to return thanks to the God who made us. That is a sin. If you don't give thanks to God, it's sin. It's, you're accountable to God. He will call you to account. He will point the finger and say, why did you never recognize me? Why did you never acknowledge me? Why did you not thank me for all the days that I gave you on the face of the earth? Why did you live a life that was so displeasing to me? But Paul is not speaking here to the whole world. He's speaking to his brothers and sisters in Christ. That is clear at the beginning of the chapter. Chapter 5, concerning the times and seasons. Brethren, verse 12, we urge you, brethren, his brothers and sisters in Christ. He's speaking to the church in Thessalonica. And because he's speaking to the church in Thessalonica, he's speaking to every Christian in every age, in every place. Paul himself is always a man full of thanksgiving. He began this letter with thanksgiving. He invariably begins all his letters with thanksgiving to God for the Christians to whom he is writing. And above all men and women in this world, Christians are to give thanks to God. And they are true Christians, real Christians, are those who give thanks to God. Now you may well ask, well, do Christians need this exhortation? Do we need to be reminded of our duty and our responsibility? Some Christians would object in saying, oh, it's, you're saying it's our duty. We feel that as a heavy weight. Duty is not a, a nice word, they say, and it's not a popular word today. But if you're exhorted to do something by God, then it is a duty. It is a responsibility. But you would say, well, surely... Surely, if we have an awareness of God's great love for us in Jesus Christ, that should be enough to stir up our hearts to thanksgiving. Well, yes and no. Yes, it is, but we need reminding, we need exhorting, and we need exhorting until our dying day. Because there are so many trying circumstances Trials and difficulties, anxieties, they may be financial concerns, they may be illness, it may be old age, it may be stress at work, sickness, fractured family relationships. We considered some of those this morning in the life of Jacob, hardly an exemplary family at times. So we need to be stirred up and then there are other things that enter into the life sadly of the church of christ first of all there are those anxieties that arise in our own hearts as believers there are times when we simply don't trust god we find we we find that we don't believe and trust there are seeds of doubts in our heart but sometimes in the life of a church there is a spirit of discontent and there are those who complain 
those who disagree and hold grudges and are resentful of certain things and are unforgiving. And there is envy and jealousy. There ought not to be, but that's what happens. It happens in churches of Jesus Christ. And I can't say every church I've ever been in, because I've only ever been in two. <laughs> this one, and now in Derby. But I hear about what goes on in many other churches. And I'm not saying that we are immune here from these things. But all those kinds of things, they wound and kill a spirit of thanksgiving to God. They curb thankfulness in our hearts. And if we are guilty of any of those things, we need to confess them honestly before God, repent of them, and get washed clean in the blood of Christ and renewed in a spirit of thankfulness. We are called by Christ. We are called by God to be those who abound, those who overflow in thankfulness to God. That is our constant calling and duty and responsibility. But then the second question, what does it mean? What does it actually mean to give thanks to God? Well, it involves words. If you thank your parents, you, you can thank them by giving them a gift, but those, that, 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 that gift will be accompanied with some words of explanation. If you want to thank anybody, you have to verbalise it. And when it comes to giving thanks to God, then it is the outflowing of our hearts and minds, but it is expressed by the words of our lips. And thanksgiving is a specific kind of praying to God, of speaking to God. Now he said already in verse 17, pray without ceasing. And the word that he uses there for prayer is the general term. It encompasses all kinds of prayer. But there are different kinds of prayer. Now Paul in verse 18 latches on to one kind of prayer, thanksgiving. To return thanks to God. What is it? It is to return thanks to God for every gift, favour and benefit that God has freely bestowed upon you in Jesus Christ. The writer to the Hebrews, as he concludes his letter in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15, says, Therefore by him, that is by Jesus Christ, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips, our words, giving thanks to his name. Giving thanks to his name. Perhaps some of you will remember, if you don't, you can look it up later, Psalm 136. It begins... Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And then he gives you 26 reasons why. <laughs> 26 reasons why you should give thanks to God. We read right at the very beginning in our call to worship, Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. 
Well, when? In the morning. Your loving kindness in the morning. Every night. Your faithfulness. That is what we are to do. That is what it means to give thanks to God. When the church gathers to remember the Lord's death in the communion service, the word that the Bible uses, one of the words that the Bible uses, is the Eucharist. Now that's been hijacked by the high church and by Roman Catholics to mean the Mass. But that is not what we're concerned about here. The word Eucharist is from the Greek word to give thanks. When you come to the Lord's table, you're coming fundamentally to give thanks to God for Jesus Christ, for the blood that was shed, the body that was devoted to sacrifice. We're giving thanks to God for our Redeemer. Now we said that Paul often begins his letters with thanksgiving. But then his letters also burst out with thanksgiving. In Ephesians chapter 5, for example, uh, and verses 3 and 4. Yes, I've got the right verses. It's a double-checking there. But fornication, he says, and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. That kind of conduct doesn't fit. It's incongruous with being a Christian. Neither filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting. These are all words that come out of our mouths, which is not fitting. But what? Rather giving of thanks. Giving of thanks. Now, our thanksgiving to God is shaped then by who God is and what he has done for us in redeeming us by his son, Jesus Christ. When we give thanks to God, we are fastening onto God himself. We are moved so in our hearts to express our deep felt appreciation acknowledging our total dependence upon God and giving thanks that he's ever had anything to do with us at all because we don't deserve anything from him. The same letter that we just quoted from in Ephesians 5, verse 19. He said, don't get drunk in verse 18 with wine, this dissipation, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking, verse 19, to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we sum up what we're saying, in effect, it's this. Until you know and love this God and acknowledge your sin and value above all else the gift of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot begin to give thanks to God properly. It will be nothing more than a formal, cold acknowledgement. There will be no warmth, there will be no passion, there will be no earnestness in your own heart, no sense of deep relief that this God has been so kind and gracious to you. If you live in this sad world without the knowledge of Jesus Christ, 
It is very likely that you will grow up and as you become older and then as you enter into old age, the world will silence you and will turn you bitter. There are people who've said to me, you're telling me I owe something to God. What's he ever done for me? They say. Some of you will have heard this story before. But the first lady who was converted in this church was Margaret Smith's mother. She lived to be 99. She was converted in her early 80s. And while she was able, she used to go to various old people's clubs. And I would go and visit her because she became infirm. I would go and visit her. And if she had been able to go to the clubs, but then she'd been earlier on in her life and she remembered what they got. She said, all they talk about is what's wrong with them, what's wrong with the world, and they are bitter. They are bitter. They can't say anything good about anybody or anything. And the tears would run down her eyes because she wanted to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he'd done for her. She wasn't bitter. She was glad. She was happy. She was being thrilled by the love of God towards her in Christ. You see, you begin then to give thanks to God when you acknowledge that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. When you are convinced and convicted in your own conscience of the sin of unthankfulness, of unbelief, of ignorance... And above all, that you've not given thanks to God. You see, you need to be awakened, spiritually awakened, so that in your heart you have been changed by the grace and power and by the Spirit of God. And your heart has been gripped and overwhelmed by the goodness and the love of God towards you. And your heart will then overflow with thankfulness to him. Take the psalmist as an example. In Psalm 116, it's one of my favourite psalms, but in Psalm 116, the psalmist there is full of thankfulness to God. He has been delivered out of death. I love the Lord, he says, because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. Then notice verse 12. What shall I render? What shall I give to the Lord? For all his benefits toward me, I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. He's not content just to do it individually. He's going to make it public. He's got a lot to say to people. He wants them to join in praise and thanksgiving to him. Notice verse 17. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I hope then you have some idea of what it means then to give thanksgiving to God. But there's a third thing we need to consider. Why? What is the reason that is given here? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
He only gives one reason. There are many reasons, but he gives one. It's God's will. It's God's plan. It's God's purpose. He wants to take you and make you into a person who honours him, who glorifies him. That's your calling as a Christian. It's a matter of obedience. It's what God desires. It's what God, what God commands. It's a moral requirement in that sense. It's what God requires of us because he delights in it. It's pleasing to him. You want to please God? You want to serve God? Then give him thanks because that is the way to do it. Remember Paul and Silas in prison in Philippi? They'd been beaten black and blue. They were sore. What were they doing? Singing praises to God. Singing praises to God in the midst of their afflictions and pains. You see, we are to rise above all our anxieties and our afflictions and our trials and rise above our sins that silence our lips. When Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 4 and verse 6, he said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It is God's will it is god's plan it is god's purpose that he has a people here on this earth who acknowledge him and who return thanks to him individually and publicly and declare who this god is and it is right that we not only thank god for all the temporal blessings which he has bestowed upon us no doubt in your home you give thanks to God every time you eat and drink. I remember one very old lady when I was a student in Aberystwyth. She was sometimes taken out by one or two of us. And all she wanted was a glass of orange or you know, some, some kind of simple drink. Not a hot drink, just a cold drink. And before she drank it, she would return thanks to God. Just bow her head for a few moments. But what about all the spiritual blessings that you enjoy in Jesus Christ? God's will has been revealed to us, that will of salvation. And when it registers in the hearts of God's people, the more you understand and your understanding of God's way of dealing with you is expanded, the more reasons you will have to give thanks to God. Think it through. Let me just skim through these things to remind you. Where does salvation really begin? Begins with God's eternal decree, his everlasting love. God the Father has set his love upon us in Jesus Christ from before the foundation of this world and then as God has entered into covenants promises oaths 
swearing, I will be your God, you will be my people. All his promises, all his faithfulness. When Jesus Christ came into the world, what was one of the resounding echoes in the songs of the angels of Mary and Simeon and Zacharias? It was thanksgiving to God for his covenant faithfulness. If you want to know why you should be giving thanks to God, then just think upon the Father's eternal love in Jesus Christ and his faithful covenant promises. And then you come to the Lord Jesus Christ and his coming into this world and his purchasing redemption for us, his sufferings, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, his ascension into heaven, his intercession at the right hand of the Father. He has come and he has put away your sins. There's no more wrath, there's no more condemnation. You are freely justified by faith in Jesus Christ. You're accounted righteous. You've been adopted into the family of God. You are the sons of God. And you're being sanctified. You're being made ready and fit for heaven. And for glory, your life has been turned right around. Turned from sin to righteousness. And it's because Christ died for you and purchased redemption for you on the cross. And then the Spirit of God, the Spirit has renewed your heart. He's taken you out of the pit. Transformed your life sanctifying you, assuring you, stirring up hope, the hope of glory and of heaven. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit to the day of your redemption. And you have the spirit of adoption whereby you cry, Abba, Father. That is a priceless privilege. Amen. To be a, know that you are an adopted son of God is the, is the height of of God's redeeming love. Ponder, reflect upon the work of the Father, the work of Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit in your salvation. Turn these things over and over and over again in your minds and in your hearts until your hearts burn within you with thankfulness. Every scripture, every sermon, God would have you turn those things into praise and thanksgiving. Perhaps it helps to look at it this way. Sum it all up. And think to yourself, no one deserves less from God than I do. No one deserves less from God than I do. And then no one has received more from God than I have. <laughs> you deserve nothing. You've received everything. If you don't remember anything else, that alone is enough to make us thankful to God. These things captivate your heart. Has God captivated your heart and your affections? And filled your mouth with thanksgiving to God. So it ravished your soul. So that you are delighting in God. Because of what you have received 
in Christ. Well, we've seen who is to give thanks. We've seen what it means to give thanks to God. We've also now examined what reasons are given. It's the will of God in Christ Jesus. And we've added some other reasons from God's work of saving us. Lastly, our text tells us when and how we are to give thanks to God in everything. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What does he mean by this? Does he mean that you, when you're going through suffering and sickness, you sort of steal yourself like a stoic and say, I will give thanks to God? That's not what it means at all. What it means is, in every circumstance in which God in his providence places you, whatever your circumstances, whatever the providences of God are, in those circumstances where he has put you, you are to return thanks to God. And that implies clearly that it's a duty to be done daily. It's a daily thing. When, when, when should we give thanks? Well, the psalmist tells us morning and evening, every day. Now, of course, being fallen human creatures that we are, we're still sin that remains in us. What happens? We tend to run on our feelings, don't we? Oh, I've had a good day today. Oh, I've had a bad day today. What do we do? We're running on the way we feel. We're being driven, perhaps, by the circumstances. Perhaps we've been, something has happened, we feel very happy. Then something horrible has happened, we feel sad and down and depressed and anxious. So what happens? Well, we operate in giving thanks to God. We, we were in fits and starts. That's what happens. But daily it is our duty and we learn, we have to learn in every circumstance to give thanks. It doesn't come automatically. We have to learn to trust God in our circumstances, trusting in his wise and good providence in order then to give thanks to him. It's a fight. It is a fight. It is a struggle. You're involved in a war. You're involved in a battle. Satan will do his utmost to cast you down and drive a wedge between you and God and turn, as it were, turn you against God and say, oh, God has not been fair with you. God has not been just in dealing with you. He's not shown kindness to you. He's allowed this thing to happen. Isn't that exactly what Satan did? When Adam and Eve fell into sin, he sowed doubts about God's goodness in the mind of Eve. And that's what he will try to do to you, sow doubts about God's goodness, so that you will turn around and say, well, all the events and circumstances of my life, it's not working out the way I wanted, it's not working out the way I expected. Why should I give God thanks? And if you begin to think like that, you don't even say why should I? You just simply don't give God thanks. You just moan and groan and complain. And as we said in the very beginning, Solomon's wisdom, anxiety, drives us down to depression. There are things that will come. Events which are unexpected, uninvited, 
unwanted. But they are nevertheless in the providence of God. We're sometimes taken by surprise. We're sometimes knocked off course. I would not for one moment say there are not dark and difficult days that some of us have to face. When we are perplexed and we are weighed down, but still underneath, underneath it all, we find I cannot doubt God. I cannot doubt his love. Whatever happens to me, nothing of the love of God in Christ towards me ever changes. And because of that, I can give thanks. Now, the Thessalonians that Paul was writing to, they weren't having an easy time. You read in chapter 2 and verse 14, you brethren became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. You also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans. They were being persecuted. They were suffering. You can read about it again in chapter 3 and verse 3. Don't be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we were appointed to this. In fact, we told you before when we were with you, you would suffer tribulation just as it happened. And you know, these things are normal. Well, if they are normal, then we have to learn to take them on board and understand them as part of the providence of God in order to make us cast ourselves more and more upon God and still learn to sing praises and thanks to God Christians are those who sing in the fire that's a strange thing but they do they do Paul says in everything setbacks and uninvited afflictions that surprise you are not events that should determine your response to God what should determine your response to God is his everlasting love towards you in Jesus Christ. I can tell you from my own experience, but I can tell you more from the scriptures, that that love never, ever changes. You can rely upon this God absolutely and entirely and rest assured that nothing of that love ever changes. You see, God is able to bring good out of evil. He's in control. He's enabled you to triumph in adversity. There's one passage I would turn you to. There are many. But in 2 Corinthians in chapter 1, the Apostle Paul writes there, and he returns praise to God. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's amazing. You read on, and I'll come back to that verse in a moment, but you read on in verses 8 and 9. We were burdened beyond measure, above strength. We, 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 we despaired even of life. We were at the point of death. Yet we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but 
in God who raises the dead. That's what we have to learn in that situation. We learned how God delivered us. And here is Paul now, in the midst of all of that, having gone through all that experience, saying, blessed be God. We've proven him to be the God of all comfort. He's the Father of mercies. And he's not only comforted us, but he's enabled us to comfort others. That's amazing. But if you're not thankful to God, you're not of any use to anybody else. You're not going to comfort them. You only drag them down with you. And Paul doesn't drag any of us down. He pulls us up and says, we've been able to comfort one another and others because God has comforted us. That's a remarkable thing. You see, here is a man, Paul, who has been again and again learned to cast himself upon God. And when he does so, he finds that God draws near. God comes to you. He draws near to comfort and to strengthen your heart. He never leaves you on your own. He never leaves you to your weaknesses, to your infirmities, to your sins, to your failings. He never leaves you to despair and wallow. He never abandons. What he does is draw near and tells you, as he told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. You're weak, but in my weakness, in your weakness, I will show you my power. My strength will be made perfect in your weakness. Paul then had a firm grip upon God. Yet he would be the first to say, God has got an even firmer grip upon me. And he won't let me go. Christians, I say, are very strange. They're like grapes, sometimes crushed. And yet outflows the wine. If you're a cook... You crush the garlic, and out comes that wonderful garlicky onion smell and flavour. But it has to be crushed first. And sometimes the Christian has to be crushed in order to return praise and thanks to God. But I assure you, from God's word, that nothing is more pleasing to God when his people return thanks to him in every circumstance in which they find themselves. It's his doing. It's his power. It's his work in your heart and in your life. It's a testimony that he is your God. It is a wonderful thing. But here is the calling of every Christian. Yes, we are to rejoice always. Yes, we are to pray without ceasing. But above all, we are to give thanks in everything. Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How will you do that? Are there some things that need to change? Are you in the midst of a good patch or a bad patch? <laughs> you had a good day or a bad day? What will tomorrow bring? You might have had a good day today. You've been with God's people. You've been singing the praises of God. But what will tomorrow bring? 
Will it drive out thanksgiving to God from your heart? Are there events that have overtaken you? Sins that have cast you down? Fears, doubts, anxieties? Let me urge you to pour out your heart to God. Go to him. Cry to him. Tell him what it's like. Tell him what is in your heart and mind and ask him to transform you by the power of his word and by the power of his spirit and make you a thankful Christian. There's a couple of hymns that we sometimes sing and how we be singing more hymns than we are able to do at the moment. Uh, I'd have probably chosen one or two of these. But there's a hymn that has a verse, Cast your burden on the Lord, only lean upon his word, you will soon have cause to bless his eternal faithfulness. And then another one, put thou thy trusting God in duty's path go on. Walk in his strength with faith and hope. So shall your work be done. Oh, may God enable us in everything then to give thanks to God.